Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I'll give you some statistics. 58% of Americans, that's you guys, have less than $1,000 in their savings account. I didn't hear one ooh or ah, because that's like, yup. <laughs> that's me. And that's a problem. 32% of Americans have zero dollars in their savings account. Again, not a lot of shock. Usually give a statistic, people are like, oh, you guys are like, that's my scenario. (laughs) How do I make change (laughs) in this scenario? Nearly half of all Americans have no retirement account whatsoever. They just plan on living and working forever. They're going to retire when they're 188. Of those that do have retirement accounts, one out of three have less than $5,000 in their retirement account. And if you fall into any of these categories today, I want you to know that I'm not trying to make you feel bad. As I've been doing with the rest of the installments in this series, I'm just using our money patterns to highlight the priorities of our heart. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be. So we can learn a lot about your heart by the ways and the patterns of your treasure. And according to your treasure, here's what I understand, that tomorrow is not really a priority for you. Um, and, And it should be. But, but it's not, and I think one of the main reasons why it's not is because um, as just people, we tend to value, you want to write this down because this will help you, we tend to value the urgent over the important. We tend to value the urgent over the important. It, urgent is right now, you know, right now. And urgency isn't really a bad thing, you know. Like uh, urgency can, can drive you, it, it's good, but, but it becomes a problem when you live your life that way. And I think that's why nobody's saving, right? Because here's another statistic. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Which means that if you were to lose your job today, you'd have no way to pay the bills tomorrow. So you put that in the context of urgent and important. It's like, well, what's saving? I'm just trying to survive. Saving up for an emergency fund is important. But right now, the emergency is rent. My kids' health insurance, that's important. But buying my kids' school supplies, that's urgent. That needs to happen like now. Who knew rulers were so expensive? My 401k is important. But my easy pass, that's urgent. <laughs> I ain't got no easy pass. I ain't going to work. Build my license plate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's happening. So, so you need to understand again, urgency isn't a bad thing. Urgency is what gets us up in the morning. Urgency is what makes sure that we provide for our family. Urgency is what, why I sleep five hours on a Saturday night. Because I, am, I'm, I understand that for somebody, this is their only time they'll ever come to church today. Somebody's first visit might be their last. And I, I, I just, I got to know that I'm going to give it my all and give it my best so that God can minister to you and speak to you. So urgency is not bad, but urgency can't be the end all be all. You can't live your life in a state of urgency. You're going to be exhausted. Um, urgency is only part of the question. Urgency uh, can't be the whole answer because it's only part of the question. Urgency asks the question, what now? But importance is the question, what then? What then? A lot of us are like a dog chasing a car. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I used to think that didn't even exist because I grew up in New York. We don't ever see dogs chase cars in New York. 
Yeah, because the cars don't even stop for the police, you know? They they're definitely not stopping for a dog, you know? If there was a dog that had within its DNA the desire to chase car, it wouldn't survive long enough to pass that on. Like, we just don't see them. But then I moved to South Carolina and uh, I saw my first junkyard dog and I, and I saw these dogs that they did chase, they did chase cars. And I, was, I just laughed so much when first time I saw a dog chase a car, I asked the dude who was with me who grew up in the South, I was like, and what will he do once he catches it? It just blew my mind that he would run after this thing that was 10 times as bigger than him that he didn't know how to drive. Like, he was just, I said, he doesn't, I said, what's his plan? He said, he doesn't have a plan. It's just instinct. He's still, he's still running. He's just running. You see, the dog was just saying, what now? What now? What now? What now? From thing to thing to thing. But he never bothered to ask, what then? So many of us spend our lives that way. What now? What now? What now? What now? We went from thing to thing to thing. And we never asked, what then? And so we got kids and we went from sports event to practice to recital. We don't have one date night. And so what's now is getting your kids onto their event. But when they leave the house and now you're married to a stranger because you don't know them no more. What then? What then? Well, you know, I can't really save, you know, because I got to pay the bills and, and I get it. That's what that's why now. But do you plan on working forever? Like, like you're 20 years old and your back hurts now. This is this whole aging thing. I don't think you know how this works. It's going to get worse. What then? What then? What then? You know, you, you're hungry, and so you don't got a lot of money, and you're hungry, and so you think, well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just pop in at the nearest fast food restaurant. Okay, two things wrong with that. One, it's way more expensive than eating at home. And two, that food will kill you. And so, and so the urgent got you in there, but when you're older and you got no money saved because you spent all your money eating out and you're at risk for heart disease. <laughs> what then? What, what, what then? Are you spending your life answering the question, what now? Or will you pause for a second to ask, answer the question, what then? You know, some of us are so busy just so that we don't have to answer that question. We'll put 30 things in our calendar just so we don't have a second. Do you ever realize how freaked out you get in a blackout? Not because you're afraid someone break in, but because like there's nothing to do and now you are left with your thoughts. <laughs> and you were like, oh no, oh no, what now? What now, what then? And we get so busy. And so for some of us, this is why we struggle with the same issue that we've been struggling with for years now. Because we rather deal with the symptom of the problem on the surface which we can solve today instead of the issue of the problem which is gonna take time tomorrow. And so we rather get instant relief than we rather get instant uh, relief than eternal release. I remember this was this was me and Liz. I, um, I had a real bad ear infection, but I was supposed to preach that Sunday, and I was like, and I just was working on the message. It was urgent, you know what I'm saying? Because like, ready or not, you guys are coming, and I got to be ready, ready or not. And so, so she said, you need to go to the doctor. I said, no. I said, just give me some Dayquil, some Dayquil for a for an earache, a deku. I'm like, it says it does everything. I don't know. It's probably just liquor, let's be honest. But um, like, that's how Christian people get drunk. Um, anyway, so I, I ignored it. I ignored it. I ignored it. Literally, literally. I didn't go to the doctor. My eardrum ruptured at home one day. It made a, that was the kind of sound I was making, expecting you to make when I said the statistic. Um, <laughs> the eardrum, Rupture, it went, it went, ba, 
out. And then I heard a wee. And then silence. I was like, I think it's time. <laughs> we're going to go to the doctor. We're going to go to the doctor. And by that time, I was so jacked up, they had to give me antibiotics, like not the normal way. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. These aren't the oral antibiotics. These are other ones, <laughs> painful ones, ones that are injected into your body. And uh, I was just dealing with the symptoms, self-medicating when I should have been at the doctor's. The doctor's takes time. I didn't want to take time. I wanted it now. Some of us will self-medicate with our schedule. We'll self-medicate with friends who are no good for us, but we have them in our life because they give us instant relief, but we know that they're long-term bad for us, but they're like instant relief. And all that self-medication is only going to take you so far until something breaks, until something ruptures, and you got to go see the doctor. By the time people see me, you know, I'm just like, well, just keep coming to church, you know. <laughs> but I want it now. I know you want it now. That's what got you into this problem in the first place. But healing, that takes time, bro. Healing takes time. Healing takes moments. It doesn't, healing is not urgent, but it is important. And so you got to forego the urgent sometimes to catch on to the important things of life. And I prayed, I said, Lord, what do you want to deliver our church from today? You know, I, last Sunday we preached on giving. I felt the Lord said, I want to deliver our church from selfishness. And I hope that, that that message really resonated with us. I hope that we all became less selfish husbands and wives, less selfish friends, less selfish employees. You know, it's not just about my paycheck, but what I can give back to the company. Less selfish in every aspect of our life. But, but I heard the Lord tell me today, um, and when I say that, don't get freaked out. It's not like I got an email or anything. It's just, I just felt in my heart that really what the Lord wants to set us free from today, from today is today. Because today has so much weight on it. Today has so much pressure on it. Today, it's like when the alarm clock goes off, boom. Like the race has begun. Anybody else like that? As soon as you hear, eh, eh, it's like, what am I losing? I gotta go. I gotta go. And I just felt like the Lord just wanted to say, I want to free you from to today to help you see that there is indeed a tomorrow. Now, I'm not asking you to get, you know, overly consumed with tomorrow, but I am asking you to think about it. And I think Jesus balances this out really well in Matthew chapter six, verse 34. He says this, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, if you're one of those worried people, this is like your verse. You're like, Pastor JJ, you see, Jesus said, I don't even want to think about tomorrow because I got enough on my plate today. But don't let the wisdom in Jesus' words, like, go over your head. He said not to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because worrying about tomorrow paralyzes you today. So that's his advice there, right? Because you could be so worried about a broken heart tomorrow that you won't even give yourself an opportunity to fall in love today. I get a lot of people who come to church who don't even want to stay. And when I ask them why they don't want to stay, they tell me, well, I'm just afraid I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm like, but bro, we haven't even started yet. Isn't it crazy how you could be so worried about going back to your old life tomorrow that you refuse to step into your new life today? Isn't that crazy? So worried about failing tomorrow, we'll never try anything new today. So don't, don't miss what God's saying. He's saying not to worry about tomorrow, but he's ever, he never said not to care about tomorrow. And that's, that's different. In fact, he implies caring. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow. Look what he says, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. So he's saying two things. He's saying, hey, don't worry about it. But you should probably think about it. Because it's coming. Which I am so confused 
Why, in encouraging God, a God who is supposed to be life-giving, a God who is supposed to lift me up, would say to me, hey, tomorrow, you won't have trouble. He's like, remember that song? Because I, want, I want tomorrow to be hopeful. I want tomorrow to be full of sunshine, you know, like the Annie song. The sun will come out. That was good, that was good. Bet your bottom dollar there. There'll be sun. That's what I want. Jesus, he said, remix. <laughs> You're gonna have trouble tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be drama. And I'm like, but then what even confuses me even more is that he's like, but don't worry about it. I'm like, well, I wasn't until you said something. And I started to ask myself, why would he tell me something was coming and then, ask, and then tell me not to worry about it? And I think the answer is found in when my dad was trying to get me ready to drive. Before I went to take my test, he said, he sat me down. He said, son, I'm going to tell you about driving. And then he began to proceed to tell me every like horror story that ever happened to him when he was driving. I'm like, sir, you have lived an awful, horrible and gruesome life. He's like, I've seen someone go through the windshield. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. He goes, oh, yeah. And then I don't know. I'm going I'm to ask him. He always has a friend, you know. I got a friend. I'm like, eh. Where is this guy? He's like, he went to the windshield. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, he goes, I've seen a car. He said, I've seen a car hit a, hit a fire hydrant, go up in the air, flip upside down, and land on his head. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, but don't worry. I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a little worried now. But then I figured out why. Because then when we got in the car to go to the test, he goes, okay, so put on your seatbelt. Now, I'm not full of worry when I leave the house to get in my car, to go somewhere. If I did, I'd never leave the driveway. But I am careful to now put on my seatbelt. Now I get it. He wasn't telling me the story to scare me. He was telling me the story to prepare me. God's not trying to scare you. He's trying to prepare you. When you are walking through a trial, you got to understand that your trial is not there to kill you or destroy you. It's getting there to prepare you for what he has next. And so God doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow, but he wants you to care about tomorrow because you prepare for what you care for. So I got to care for it enough to prepare for it or else I'm not going to be ready when it gets here. That was like listening to our story. When we started Journey Church, I wish I could say that we were living paycheck to paycheck. There were no paychecks. We were living mercy to mercy, <laughs> glory to glory, grace to grace. <laughs> That's what we were living, man. We had no income that was coming, I'm telling you. And that was just to get the church started. But I learned some things in that season. I learned about this place called Aldi's. Aldi's. If you don't know about Aldi's, Aldi's will change your life. You go to Publix, you spend $10 for a piece of salmon. You go to Aldi's, you spend $5, buy 20 frozen salmon in a bag. Aldi's is my jam. You got to pay for the shopping cart, though. You used a quarter. <laughs> but but they, you make it back. But you make it back on, on the salmon. Uh, 
We learned about this place called Goodwill. Liz figured out a way to get to her parents' house avoiding tolls, you know? And you say, oh, so God taught you how to be thrifty? No, he taught me how to trust him. He taught me that if I made the most with what I had, he would multiply because here I am now in my tomorrow because of how I prepared when my yesterday was today. And I needed that lesson because then we were starting a church. Boy, the offerings were so bad when we started the church. I'm not judging y'all. Y'all weren't here. <laughs> but, but, but those people who were, we had our first four months, we averaged less than $6,000 uh, a month in, uh, in tithes and, and offerings. And the first service, I accidentally said $6. Uh, I was like, yeah, people were putting in IOUs. They were like, God, I love you, but your boy's broke. Um, 6,000, less than 6,000, which, which you don't know. How would you know? Is that a lot? Is that a little? Well, just to put that in context, the rent here was $6,000 a month. For four months, we didn't make rent. And uh, that was just a part of, I want to say thrifty, but just how ghetto we were back then. We just, we didn't have no money, so we just made it happen. I will never forget our first Easter. Raise your hand if you're here for our first Easter. Do you remember? Do you guys remember? We had this Easter bunny come out. <laughs> we couldn't afford the real Easter bunny costume. The real Easter bunny costume was like $200. I was like, nah. Let's find out what Amazon has. You know, we had one of those used, and we didn't even buy the new cheap. We bought the gently used. We're like, we'll disinfect it. Just get in there. Um, and we had this rabbit come out big old. He, first off, he looked so freaky. And then secondly, we started, we, we played the song. We had crisscross play over the loudspeaker because I was doing like a fun thing. So we like, crisscross will make you. And so, so we did that with the rabbit. And he started jumping. And those who were there remember, his ear flew off. That's a true story. We had, that was the first Easter. We don't have kids in our Easter service anymore because of that Easter. We had kids in the first and second row. They were like, ah, the Easter bunny's dead. I'm like, oh my goodness. We just, with three, we just made it happen. We got, a, we got a, a church of a thousand people. We have a staff of four full-time people right now. Statistics say, like ratios, we should be at uh, one for every hundred. So we should be at about 10 or eight. We got four. Nobody's complaining. You know why? Because this year we'll give over $100,000 to missions. Yeah. We make it happen because we learn some things. We're getting prepared. We were getting prepared for tomorrow. Now, here's how you get prepared for tomorrow. I know they're coming out. I'm going to make, I'm not going to make time this week again, but uh, I'm going to tell you how we prepare for tomorrow. And I'm going to give you these really quickly. Here's how you prepare for tomorrow by investing today. Do you guys know what investing is? It's important. I gotta go a little bit to the financial because you came here for a finance series. And so I'm gonna teach you some little bit about money and then we'll get right back into this principle that also applies to your life. You know, poor people work to make money. Wealthy people let their money make money. You catch that? Poor people work to make money. Wealthy people take a portion of their money and ask and give that money a job. That's called investing. What you need to do in your life is take a portion of your income, set it aside to make more money for when you're older. Well, that's not going to help me today. Duh. The sermon is about tomorrow. <laughs> well, I need, I need something today. Then you're always going to have today's problems tomorrow. So financially, let me help you out. Real practically, this is a principle called 10-10-80. You want to write that down? Put that on your phone. 
10, 10, 80. Here's how it goes. You take 100% of your salary. You guys know this, I've been saying it all week. You give the first 10% to God. The second 10%, it's called the tithe. The second 10%, here's what you do, you invest it. Invested in what? I'm not a financial advisor, but in a mutual fund, in real estate, in a business, you gotta get your money a job. It's gotta make money for you or else you're always gonna have to be working for your money, okay? And so you gotta get that money a job, unless you're in debt. If you're in debt, that 10% goes to paying off debt. And then you live off the 80. 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. Here's the principle for your life. How many people have ever heard of ROI? ROI, return on investment. I'm gonna give you a term that's gonna guide you. ROE. Here's how you invest. Number one, you gotta invest in the right things, R. You gotta invest in the right things because a lot of times, if not careful, we'll invest in the wrong things, things that don't have a good return on our investment. The other day I was watching Netflix with uh, my wife and you know, that's sacred time for us because uh, it's like the only time we get alone. And so we were kind of working through friends. We're in season nine, almost done. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, midway through, Justice comes off the balcony. He's like, you forgot to give me best sauce. Y'all don't know about, uh, if you're, you know, don't speak Spanish, besos is Spanish for kisses. And now I, I said, no, go to bed. <laughs> because you gotta understand in my house, besos aren't just kisses. It's a whole thing. We got four besos we gotta go through. First is beso, that's for kiss on the mouth, we do that. Which I'm wondering how long is that cool until it's weird. <laughs> Second is Eskimo kiss. Eskimo kiss is the nose to nose thing. That follows. Third is the butterfly kiss. Butterfly is when you go like that with your eyelash. You go in there, it's a whole thing. He won't go to bed unless you do it. And then the fourth is a buttercup kiss. Now you don't know about the buttercup kiss, I invented it. The buttercup kiss is when you take a fake spoon and you scoop out his soul. Now you just, you, you scoop his heart. You scoop his heart and then you kiss his face all crazy. You can have it if you want, buttercup, okay. But, and it would be cool and then hug. And then it would be cool if it ended there, but then he goes about telling me his day. So was, before you say you're a bad parent, I'm just saying I had plans for the next 20 minutes. And Liz said, you better go up there. Well, you ain't gonna get no besos. I said, well, in that case, I'll go. No, Smith, go up there. This is what she really said. She said, JJ, I read this in, in a book and I need you to hear this. And, and it really gave me a new way of seeing how I, he said, listen earnestly to anything your children want to tell you, no matter what. If you don't listen eagerly to the little stuff when they are little, they won't tell you the big stuff when they are big because to them, it's always been big stuff. So you might not have a kid. Here's how this ministers to you. I stopped looking at what I was spending like I was spending it. And I started looking at what I was spending like I was investing it. I might not see it right now, but maybe seven years from now, he's gonna come home with a broken heart. Okay, and it better not be your daughter because you won't be allowed to come here at church. He's gonna, he's gonna, he gonna come to me with a broken heart. And you know why? Because I gave him vessels, we're gonna get the chance to talk about his broken heart. So you gotta ask yourself, the little things that I'm doing now, not what is the fruit that I will see, but am I investing in the right thing so that I see that fruit later? Because I'm not just investing in the right things, I'm also investing over time. That's the O, over time, over time. I wanna show you something. This is a stock right here. This stock is one week. This is a fresh picture 
of a stock. I'll save the name of the stock at the end. This is not a good stock right now. This stock is not doing bad. This week, it kind of did bad, dropped like 7%. Not good, okay? But it's only looking bad in the short term. Look what happens as you zoom out. And we'll go to one month. One month, up, oh, still doing bad, okay? Not a good stock to be a part of. One month in, if you had bought this stock a month ago, you'd be losing money a month from now. Let's zoom out one more time. Six months, six months in, wow. If you had bought that stock six months ago, you'd still be losing money right now. And it's up and down and up and down and volatile. Is anybody's life feeling like this? One day your stock is high, the next day your stock crashes. High crash, high crash, high crash. You're valuable, you're not valuable. Up and down, up and down. This is like Liz and I's weight right now. We like, we work out and then we eat, then we eat one thing, one thing. I went to Disney yesterday, two days ago, I ate one double chocolate chip ice cream sandwich. Stepped on the scale the next day, gained four pounds. <laughs> In one sandwich. Don't ask me how. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Let me encourage you. We're not gonna zoom out yet, so hold on. You're, the reason why you're stressed out is because you're looking at it in the short term. But I'm not gonna bail. See, you can't bail when you're down here or else you'll miss that. And that's why you gotta, that's why you can't build your house on others investing in your life. Because people have a weird way of investing. They call it day trading. In other words, I'm gonna jump in when the stock is doing well, but I'm gonna bounce when it's out. You know there's people like that in your life? When you got everything going good for you, oh, they want a piece of your stock. I'll take 10, I'll take 100, I wanna get in on that. But when life starts to hit, when you start to go through some stuff, and then all of a sudden you got too much drama for them, but you were good in my life when I was doing good, but now when things are bad, where are you? Where are all my friends went? They're day traders, they're traders. I'm so glad that God doesn't espouse the, 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 or hold on to the, or, or, or live out the day trading method of investing. He's not a day trading God. He, he invests another way. He's the buy and hold God. Yeah, you know what buy and hold is? Buy and hold is when you buy a stock and you go, no matter what happens, I'm in this thing for the long run because I understand that if I zoom out long enough, go ahead. That stock is Netflix, by the way. If you'd have bought it in 2008, it's grew 5,694% in 10 years. You know why God, here's what I love about God. God didn't buy you when he was up, when you were up there. He bought you when you were right here. And you might go up and you might go down, but let me tell you something about Jesus. He's in this thing for the long haul. Ooh. I can see the angels trying to give stock advice to God right now when you're going up and down. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I ain't trying to use your name in vain, but oh, Lord. I think you might need to leave Jay. I mean, slept with his girlfriend last week and he knows us wrong. He's not married. He keeps doing it. And this is the fourth time I think we need to cash out on that stock. And God's like, nah, I'm in this for the long haul. I think you might need to leave Rebecca. Re Re Rebecca's been, you know, living wild, living in a club, doing her thing, you know. And coming to church and she just, and I could just hear God going, nah, I'm in it for the long haul. Other people might leave them and other people might abandon them. But when they go up, I go up with them. When they go down, I go down with them. Because here's one thing God knows about you that you don't even know about you. 
who you're becoming. And he doesn't see you for who you were. And he doesn't see you for what you did. He sees you for your purpose. He sees you for your destiny. He sees you for the mission. He sees you for who you're becoming. He sees you because he loves you. He sees you because he believes in you. And he's now letting go. Your brother may leave you. He won't leave you. Your wife may leave you. He won't leave you. When he's in, he's in all the way. Hell or high water. Stock is going up. Stock is crashing. I'm holding on. That's mine. I'm invested. You want to talk about investment? Let me tell you something about God. He's invested in you. He's invested in every dream. He's invested in every doubt. He's invested in every fear. He's invested in you. He's invested in you. Stand on your feet if you were close to me today. He's invested in you. I got a God who's not trading me. He's holding on to me. Somebody needs to hear that today because your value, you think you're down there. Bro. God's like, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. I'll tell you what, you better, you better tell your friends now. You better tell them now, hey, you better buy something while it's cheap. Because in about two years, I'm going to be better. In about two years, I'm going to be stronger. In about two years, I'm going to be wiser. In about two years, I'm going to be more full of faith. In about two years, I'm going to be more free. Maybe not today, but tomorrow, but tomorrow, but tomorrow, but tomorrow, but tomorrow. So I'm not going to worry about it, but I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to get ready for it. I'm going to prepare for it. Here's E. We'll close it out. The right thing over time and eternal treasure. Eternal treasure. I'm just going to give you one image and then we'll pray and close out. One image and then we'll pray and close out. Come on. Thank you very much. And then we'll pray. I won't got to say much. Hopefully the illustration will speak for itself. The worship team was practicing this morning and I was practicing my illustration. We should have communicated that better. We almost killed the worship leader. Well, back to your story. Imagine for a second that this is not a rope. Imagine for a second, hear me, that this is your timeline. Here's what I know about eternity. Please catch this. It goes on forever. Imagine for a second that this rope goes on forever. Like forever, ever, forever, ever. All right? That's eternity. Let me show you your life. The red part. Now here's the crazy thing. So much of our life is lived because of what happened before. Like, that's what they do in counseling a lot of times. Like, they help you understand what happened to you. So you'd be like, oh, I'm crazy because my mom's crazy. Here's how God adds to the counseling process. Because I do a lot because of what's happened to me. I got some struggles because of what's happened to me. I got some issues because of what's happened to me. I don't trust people a lot of times because of what's happened to me. And I'm not there yet, but can I tell you what I'm becoming? I'm becoming someone slowly. I'm not there yet, but I'm becoming someone slowly who is doing less because of what happened behind me. And I'm doing more because of what lies ahead of me. I understand that there's an eternity. I understand that my whole life, forever and ever, it's going to be determined by the way I live this. So when I get my tax return in a few weeks, hallelujah, I'm going to be asking myself, am I going to spend that tax return on the red part? Or am I going to just give some away to somebody who needs it? Am I going to live for the red part or am I going to live for the white part? 
And now my life, hear me, becomes driven, not by urgency, but by eternity. That's all I wanted for you today, to be driven by eternity. That this white line is coming, y'all. And I don't know when. The Bible says it could be a trumpet. When Christ sounds and returns, life is short. And so I'm just tired of looking at the red part and complaining about the red part. I love what Paul said. He said, this one thing I do, forget what is behind me and strive towards to what is ahead of me. Is there anybody here today who will throw their past in the garbage and say, you know what, it's enough about my yesterday. And I'm not going to let today kill me either. I'm going to hold on to tomorrow because I see eternity. It's long. I see my stock price. It's going up. So I'm living for tomorrow, believing for tomorrow, holding out for tomorrow. It's not going to be perfect, but he's going to be with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you need to jump on Jesus, you need to make a decision in the red part today that will affect your white part. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to follow you. Shift my eternity. That's you. When I say three, I want you to raise your right hand and signal the sky. Come on, you're ready. This is your time. You're ready. This is your time now. It all changes here. On three, that's you. Raise your right hand in the sky. I need you, Jesus. One, two, three. No one's looking right now. Oh my God, I see that hand. I see it. 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 I see it in the back. I see it. Amen. Put your hand down. Such a beautiful thing when someone raises their hand and the person next to them starts crying. I want you to know if you raised your hand today, you didn't just get here by yourself. You were the product of that person's prayers. Well, let's pray for you together. Let's all pray. If you raised your hand, even if you didn't, Journey Church, help us all together. Worship team, let's all say it. Let's pray. Father God, Father God I give you I give my, tomorrow my tomorrow and my today. today. I'm going to live for that. Because living for this, <laughs> let's be honest, it's stressing me out. So I give you the urgency as I live for eternity. Live inside my heart. Shift me from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.